Proverbs 24. It's verses 10 to 12. If you do nothing in a difficult time, your strength is limited. Rescue those being taken off to death and save those stumbling towards slaughter. If you say, but we didn't know about this, won't he who considers, won't he who weighs hearts consider it? Won't he who protects your life know? Sorry, just laughing because it's making noise. Won't he repay a person according to his work? All right, Tillies, let's go. Off the stage. Well, hey, Saturday Church. Great to be with you in this uh, different and slightly unusual format. It's, uh, it's a good time of year, isn't it? I hope you've had a great start to the year. Happy New Year to everybody. I was thinking uh, this week about the new year. There's often this sense when a new year comes around that we get this almost new year bounce. It's like we go from December 31, things are a certain way, tick over January 1st, everything's new again. And we often look forward to this, don't we? We look forward to the opportunity to restart, to reset and to begin again. And as I thought about it this year, I was reflecting on how that is so true in so many areas of our life, but it's also not the case in some other areas. And that can be tricky to navigate sometimes. You see, think about the news for a second. If you get on uh, your news app on December 31 and you read the news, the reality is you'll see a whole bunch of stories, some good, most not so good. You get on January 1st, what do you see? Well, probably the same stories. Even if not exactly the same, it's the same types of things appear. And it's made me think about how although the new year starts, the same old stories are perpetuated year in and year out. And one of those stories since the beginning of time has been a story all about people. About people, sometimes people like you and me, who are wronged or harmed or hurt. The sad thing, the sad reality of living in our world is that there are people who get hurt. We see this in war, don't we? We know about the kind of almost infamous wars at the moment. Gaza, the Ukraine, and maybe the the less known but equally terrible war in the Sudan. And all of this makes us think about how do we respond to that? How do we respond to the conflict, the calamity, the harm and the hurt that happens in our world. If moving from December 31 to January 1st doesn't just end all of the pain and strife, what do we do if it won't just go away? Well, that's really what we're going to think about uh, tonight as we look at Proverbs 24. Proverbs 24 in verses uh, 10 to 12 help us think about how we as humans respond to injustice, respond to persecution, and respond to people being hurt in our world today. And I think this is a really good theme for people to think about. Whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, it's good for us to slow down and think about it. And so we're going to jump into Proverbs 24 in a second. But before we do that, I want us just to pause and reflect about how we read the Proverbs for a second. You see, the Proverbs are a little different to the rest of the Bible, aren't they? They're wisdom literature. As James said, Uh, Last week, they give us wisdom for life. They help us to know how to live well in this world. And generally speaking, when we read the Proverbs, uh, most people tend to agree with a proverb. 
think about maybe Proverbs 14, 17 for a second. The man with the quick temper does foolish things. No matter who you are, I reckon, no matter where you live or when you live, probably everyone's going, absolutely true. (laughs) Maybe you're thinking of someone in your head right now. Maybe you know it's yourself. Quick tempers lead to foolish actions. That's kind of the obvious thing with a proverb. The sad reality, though, is often we just leave the proverbs there. We kind of go, yeah, that's about right. And then we move on with our life. But what we want to do when we read the proverbs is not just stop at the what. We want to dig a little bit deeper into the why. See, the proverbs, they're not haphazardly true. They're not accidentally right. They're true, and most people in most parts of the world at most times will agree with them because they tell us something of the way the world works. They show us the inherent order that's built into society. They show us something about humans. I'm always struck by how we can read these proverbs written thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago, and they feel like they're written just yesterday. It's because people don't change. It's because we're still profoundly human, living in the same world, ruled by the same God. And so when we read the Proverbs, we want to look at the what. That's obviously important. But we want to go one step deeper. We want to dig under the surface, and we want to understand the why. What is going on here? What does this tell us about God, the world, and us? As that's my goal tonight, is to show you the what and the why of Proverbs chapter 24, verses 10 to 12, as we try to think about how do we respond to conflict, calamity, and the harm that we see in our world today. Now, really, what we're going to do is focus more on 11 and 12, and I'm going to leave 10 aside for a bit, and, uh, and you know, maybe you can think about that more in your own time, but I just want to sharpen our message by focusing on 11 and 12. And really, as you read them, like is the case in many Proverbs, it's pretty self-explanatory. Have a look at verse 11 again. Rescue those being taken off to death and save those stumbling towards slaughter. The point of the proverb, the what of the proverb, I think is really simple. What's it trying to say to us? It's trying to say that we should help those people who are in need. We should rescue and we should save. It's a really clear and I think powerful message for us. When we think about the people in our world who are suffering, when we think about the people in our world who are being persecuted, when we think about the people in our world who live in war zones, when we think about the people who are oppressed, we should care. And we should do whatever we can to rescue and save those people. And this is a big theme all the way through the scriptures, isn't it? All the way through, we see this pattern of God's people being called to help those people in need. We see it in the way that uh, God establishes the kingdom uh, of Israel. They had these places of refuge where people could go to get help. Uh, We see it in famous Bible verses. Think about uh, Micah 6 verse 8. I think I had this uh, verse screen printed on a shirt when I was a kid. What does it say? Well, it says to, it says, what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with our God. From the beginning to the end of the Bible, God's people are called to be people who are compassionate and care for those people in need. And we see that profoundly in Jesus' own life, don't we? We see Jesus spending time with the marginalized. We see Jesus spending time with the weak and the oppressed. 
And we're going to come back to that uh, in a minute and see why that's the case. But for now, I want us to notice the what of the passage. We're called to care and help those people in need. Now, primarily, the kind of care uh, that it's talking about here is physical. The people being spoken about are those who are suffering physical problems. But I think it's also fair to zoom out for a second and realise that this is also true in a spiritual sense. The reality is that a lot of people spiritually are stumbling towards slaughter, aren't they? We know if you don't know Jesus, there's a big problem headed your way. Now, as I said before, it is primarily about the physical needs, but I think it's important for us to recognise there's a spiritual dimension to this as well. So we should care for those in need. Pretty simple, isn't it? But actually, the proverb goes one step further. It goes one step deeper. You see, God knows something about me and you. He knows that we love a loophole, don't we? We love a way of going, yeah, 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 I get that's the right thing to do, but this, (laughs) it's human nature. But actually, God gives us something else here that stops us from doing that. Have a look at verse 12 with me. If you say, but we didn't know about this, won't he who weighs hearts consider it? Won't he who protects your life know? Won't he, who rep- won't he repay a person according to his work? We can't just bury our heads in the sand. Ignorance won't get us out of the problem. See, for us, a lot of the time, we just kind of want to pretend like we don't know. We want to bury our heads in the sand. We don't want to know about the problems, the difficulties in the world, because it's just all too much. But he reminds us here, and he commands us here, we need to help people in need, and we can't pretend like we didn't know. God will keep us accountable. Care for those people in need, and don't pretend like you didn't know. That's the what of this proverb. But it makes us wonder, well, what's the why? Why is this in here? And here's what I love about this proverb. This proverb is teaching us something profound about God and who he is. You see, when we look at this proverb, I think what we see really clearly is God's heart. We see God's heart for those people in need. We see God's heart for the oppressed. We see God's heart for those who are being harmed. We see God's heart for those people who desperately need saving from whatever situation that they're in. Whether that's a natural disaster, whether that's persecution at the hands of another, God deeply cares. And he cares because everyone is made in God's image. Every single person, every single person matters to God. And so like a human father would, When someone who matters to God is being harmed, God wants that to change. And he expects us, his people, his followers, to do something about it. It reveals the fatherly heart of God for everyone made in the image of God. See, everyone matters to God. And like I said before, you see that in Jesus' own life, don't you? You see that Jesus, he eats with outsiders. He cares for people who no one else cares I love that scene uh, where you see Jesus in the Gospels uh, care and heal the leper. Someone who everyone else would have tried to steer as far away from as they could. Jesus kneels down and he helps him. That's the kind of Jesus we have. That's the kind of people he calls us to be. 
people who care for those in need. And that pushes back against so many systems and so many ways of thinking in our own world. So often in our world, uh, we think that we should care, we should fight for, we should protect those people in our society who are important or significant or uh, can do impressive things. We almost value the people who bring utility to our society. The doctors are more important or the engineers are more important or the people who can write amazing AI code are the most important. But it feels very different in the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is this upside down world where the people who uh, consume God's heart and mind are those people who are oppressed, those people who are hurting, those people who are suffering at the hands of another. We should have that same mindset too. And why? Because everyone is made in the image of God. So we care for everyone. Everyone matters to God and everyone should matter to us. And so what does that mean in 2024 for us? Well, let me give you three uh, things that I think this can uh, play out like. Firstly, it's an encouragement that we need to educate ourselves about what's going on in our world. As I said before, ignorance is not an excuse. It's important for us as people to be virtuous people, to know what harms are coming in the world, to be up to date with the current events in our world, to know what's happening in the Sudan, to be aware of the plight of others. And I think there's a particular emphasis for Christians to think about other Christians. You see this in Matthew 25. There's this profound sense that we should care about the body of believers. And so I'd encourage you this year to spend some time educating yourself. Now, we'll always have a certain capacity. There's only so much news we can read. There's only so much trauma that we can take on for another. So you need to be wise in how you do that. But can I encourage you to do that? There are lots of ways you can do it. You can simply jump on your favorite news website and go to the world section and maybe read about some stuff. You could uh, use a, a website like Operation World, which will tell you and give you prayer points for things going on in our world. Or you could even link up uh, with the website Anglican Aid, which will tell you particularly about Christians who are suffering in different parts of the world. Those are three uh, little examples. There are tons of places you can go to educate yourself about what's happening in our world. That's the first one. Number two, uh, I want to encourage you to think about ways that you can give practical help. The reality is that there are so many people who need help in our world today. And so we shouldn't simply just sit down and educate ourselves and do nothing about it. We need to help. Primarily, we do that by praying. And so on some of those websites I mentioned before, Anglican Aid and Operation World, you can get prayer diaries. Maybe that's something that you could do this year. You could download a prayer diary and you could pray for the persecuted church. Maybe you could buy a physical copy of the Operation World book, pass it around your growth group. Each week, someone takes it home, finds uh, a country they didn't know about, reads up on it, and reports back the next week to growth group and you pray for that country. Maybe uh, you could jump on the Anglican A website. They have lots of appeals there where you can give money to particular concerns, particular situations where people are in danger. Organisations like Compassion are great as well. And I particularly like Anglican Aid and Compassion because their focus isn't simply on uh, just physical goods and needs, though that's critical, they also work hard to address the spiritual issues in people's lives as well. So educate yourself. Think practically about what you can do to help. Finally, 
as I said before, this passage, it is primarily about physical distress, physical harm, and the help that we can bring. But we can't lose sight ever of the spiritual problem. We can't ever lose sight of the fact that people are slowly but surely stepping towards our destruction. And so maybe as you step into this year, you can be thinking about those people in your life who don't know Jesus. Coming up in March, we have our Share Life Month. This is an opportunity for us to be encouraging and inviting our friends, our family who don't know Jesus to come to know him. This year, our topic will be Meet Jesus. And what we'll do is try to help people see Jesus for who he really is. So often people's vision or perception of Jesus is based off something else. It's based off, you know, an experience in school chapel when they were 17. Or it's based off the media's perception. Or it's based off an uncle who used to go to church sometime. Whatever it is. What we want to do is help people meet Jesus in the Gospels and see him for who he truly is. And so our Share Life topic this year is Meet Jesus. And I'm so excited for it. And I hope that you can be thinking and praying for people now, maybe even using your lifeboat lists, seeing who you can invite along so that they can meet the real Jesus and maybe come to a saving faith in him. Well, Proverbs chapter 24, verses 10 to 12. What does it teach us? It teaches us that we should help those people in need because God cares about them. And like Jesus, we should go to the needy. We should help them wherever we can and long for the day when this will be no more.